Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. Uh, this is our Wednesday edition of Week 16, February 1st, first day of a new month uh, in this year, 2023. Uh, I'm your main host, Karsten, and since it's Wednesday, I'm joined by my Wednesday co-host and good friend, Justin. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Karsten. It's good to be here. And woohoo, we're back. We're back, we're back. to the podcast <laughs> after a, a long, stale period of ha- not having me on the show. I know. We're finally right? back into it. We had, yeah, they had to put up with just me for a long time. We've had Wyatt as well. He's he's helped uh, things out a little bit, but yeah, always <laughs> oh, good to have Justin back. <laughs> oh, those poor listeners. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're relieved now. They, just Justin with the comedy here. <laughs> they must have got loaded with your old comments about seventies players and Rafe LaFrance. I'm right, sure. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't get enough of that type of content. Just to clarify, we were we were just barely talking about Rafe France before this started. Um, we'll, we'll explain why once we get to a, a surprise new segment that Justin has for us. I'm excited about that. Um, but before we get to that, let's first do our game summaries from last night's action. Uh, Tuesday, January 31st. We're going back the whole month. Uh, ha ha. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, your poor listeners when I wasn't here. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we've only got five games from last night's action. One of them pretty uh, noteworthy for sure. All of them important. But uh, let's start with uh, this one. The Miami Heat in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. Uh, they steal the road victory. Uh, that's a quote from the NBA's website in Cleveland. Um, pretty back and forth affair. 11 lead changes in this game. Uh, Miami able to come out on top for the Cavs. They had Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup. So good to see him back after he missed a handful of games. Um, four, four of their five starters scored in double figures. Uh, Karis LeVert had 14 off the bench, but their leading scorer had only 19. That was Evan Mobley. And Jared Allen collected 11 rebounds as well. Uh, meanwhile, for the Heat, Jimmy Butler led the way, 23 points. Bam Adebayo, 18 points, 11 boards. Caleb Martin, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Those two combining for 21 boards. Nice effort there. And 18 for Tyler Hero as well as the Heat edge out the Cavs for the victory on the road. Um, I'll kind of approach this the same way I did with Wyatt just a couple days ago. If you want to interject any thoughts with any of these games or any of these you know teams feel free to interrupt me at any point otherwise i'll probably just kind of you know tear through these so uh does that sound good justin yeah 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 would you like me to give like a short read i don't know like statement after you get through your monologue about the game or would you rather me um just interject whenever i feel like it interject whenever you feel like i think that is that's a, a good way of doing it <laughs> keeps Sounds me on great my to me. yeah okay. um, oh i'll be listening to what you say very carefully just so i can interject when the time is right sounds good yeah otherwise not too much crazy from that one just a, a slightly lower scoring affair than what we're used to this season this high scoring season uh so we'll jump to the next one this is probably the most notable uh, of the games from last night's action, the Los Angeles Lakers go into the Garden, Madison Square Garden, against the New York Knicks, and they come away with a victory after forcing overtime. They win this one 129-123, to 123, uh, and LeBron posts a triple-double in this game. Uh, similar to the last game we talked about, pretty back and forth. Lakers held leads throughout most of the game, but the Knicks 
kept it competitive throughout. Uh, for the Knicks, their leading scorer, Jalen Brunson, with 37 points. Uh, they also had 23 points, 12 boards from Julius Randle, and four other scorers in double figures, as well as 13 boards off the bench from Isaiah Hartenstein. Nice rebounding job from him. But for the Lakers, LeBron, the aforementioned uh, triple-double from him, 28 points, 11 assists, 10 boards. 27 points from Anthony Davis. Uh, he also grabbed nine boards in this one. And they had three other guys in double figures as they got the win in New York. I feel like Justin's probably got a comment of some sort about this one. I, I do have a comment about this one. Um, I want to point out after this game, LeBron has 89 points to go to pass Kareem. Thank and you. So he is. I, at the beginning of the season, I thought that he wasn't going to be able to do it. I thought there might be, you know, suspect old age injuries or something that catches up with him. Maybe he wouldn't do it this season, but maybe he'd get it the next. But as a, as a person who has been on the Michael Jordan bandwagon my entire life, I think that it's so awesome that we've been able to watch for our entire lives a player that has just been sustainably dominant for 21 plus years, right? However long hmm. he's been in the league. And so I, I think it's so cool that in our lifetimes, right, we're going to get to see one of the best players and certainly the greatest player to ever last this long past Kareem. And right. This, this doesn't seem like a farewell season for LeBron, right? As he's still almost averaging a triple double and still leading his team which is something that not Kareem or MJ were really doing when they were 40 years old. So yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. And I hope he gets it soon. Probably yeah, will within the next three or four games. Yeah. It looks to be that way. Um, the question now is, is he going to try and, you know, fine tune it to where he'll break the record at home in Los Angeles, which would probably be the, you know, preferred location to do that, but it's nice to break the record either way, I suppose. Um, yeah, for I'm him sure. to be doing maybe it there will his... be some. Sorry, go ahead. Right. I was going to say maybe there will be some mystery injuries. He's going to start having hand sprains and shoulder injuries until they're at the Staples Center. There you go. <laughs> Ready to. Oh, oh, you mean the uh, the the crypto.com arena, right? Oh, yes. They, they changed. <laughs> How dare it. you call it the Staples Center? Yeah. <laughs> what it's been called for oh, 20 no. plus years. <laughs> I, I've made the huge mistake. Maybe LeBron will finally pass Kareem at home in the Lakers slash Clippers arena. They, yeah, there you go. That's that's the best name for it. They should call it the Crypt. Crypto.com arena. Call it the Crypt. That'd the be crypt. a second. Well, I guess. Yeah. But then you're going to have to say, oh, the Crypt Walk. And that's not what you want, I suppose. But um, anyways. Um, <laughs> Carson, is an NBA podcast the place to be making gang jokes? I, I don't know. Probably not for my... Maybe. Not for our sake, if we want to hold our heads. But um, (laughs) regardless, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, something we take for granted, being able to watch his greatness uh, in his career. And like you said, this is, I mean, this is a record that's been standing for 40 years. And to see it be broken is incredible. And the the pace he's going to set, I mean, like you said, he's far from a, a farewell season. I imagine he's he's got a good chance to set it 40,000 plus. And then at that point, who's going to be able to break this record going forward? I mean, it's just remarkable, but um, it's going to take at least 20 years from now. Right. 
Gotta be. And it was about 40 years ago, right, that Kareem got his record. Mm-hmm. And then there was a series of 20 years in the middle where there were some extremely high scores, right? Kobe, MJ, um, even Dirk in there, Shaq, Will Chamberlain was mm-hmm. earlier. But I just think it they kind of come in about 20-year periods, right? So 20 years you have Kobe and then LeBron, obviously. And another 20 years, maybe we'll have Bronny getting ready to <laughs> pass his dad or something. I don't think that'll ever happen. But yeah, I just I think it's awesome. We might have to wait another 20 years till anybody even gets close. It's a good point. Yeah, it's always exciting to, you know, see who who's going to be next, who will take that mantle, but or, you know, give him a run for his money. But um, regardless, yeah, nice win for them in, in New York. LeBron didn't have the high scoring performance that I thought he might when I previewed this for the week, but he still had a stellar game in the garden. Uh, the Lakers get the win. And that's the important thing for them right now is LeBron, you know, I'm sure a part of him is happy to break that record or, you know, be in the chase to break the record, but he's probably more concerned about trying to get his team into the playoff picture and, you know, be a competitive team, but um, yeah, good win for them. Let's jump to that next one. The, Last or the LA Clippers win in Chicago against the Bulls, one hundred eight to one hundred three. Um, I, I would imagine. Well, it, Chicago was, you know, pretty good in that first half, and then Clippers were able to, you know, take bring it close in that second half. They win. They lead in the fourth quarter. End up winning it for the Bulls. It was uh, Vucevic, DeRozan, and Levine kind of combining for their normal you know, nice scoring outputs, 23 for Vucevic, 20 for DeRozan, 18 for Levine, um, 14 rebounds each for both Vucevic and Levine. Pretty impressive rebounding there. Um, but for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard scored 33 points. They had 27 from Norman Powell off the bench. Uh, they had 16 from Paul George and 14 from Zubats. And Paul George and Zubats both combined they combined for uh, 22 rebounds. So they met the rebounding effort themselves and the Clippers get the win in this one. Um, I would I do have a little bit to say if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. I have a comment as well. When oh. you're done with yours. I think the thing that killed the Chicago Bulls in this game was turnovers. Um, as a team together, they had 20 turnovers. Um, That's a great point. De- DeMar DeRozan had his career high in turnovers with eight by himself. Yep. Um, and to, they kind of just fell apart in the last two minutes, right? Zach Levine got fouled at the three-point line, got an opportunity to shoot three free throws to tie and take the lead, and he missed two of his three, right? He missed two free throws in a row and hit the third, mm. keeping the Bulls behind by a single point with a minute left, and they just couldn't catch the momentum again. So I think they just ended up playing bad at the end of the game and had a ton of turnovers to – make sure that the game never was close enough for them to win. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a great point. Levine added six turnovers himself. Um, yeah, 20 turnovers to the eight turnovers the Clippers had. So those fine details really coming into play. And uh, the free throw percentage, yeah, Bulls shot 71%, Clippers shot 84 So those details kind of came to be the factor in this game. So definitely a great point there, Justin. Um, now let's jump to that next one, the Milwaukee Bucks – beating the Charlotte Hornets at home, 124 to 115. Um, LaMelo Ball posted his eighth career triple-double in this game. Um, however, the Bucks just a little bit too much to handle. 
Uh, yeah, LaMelo, 27 points, 11 assists, 10 boards. Mason Plumley 14 and 14. Rozier added 20 points, uh, and they had three other double-figure scorers. But for the Bucks, I mean, it's just too much of Giannis, 34 and 18. Uh, 15 and 13 from Drew Holiday. That's 13 rebounds for Drew Holiday, not assists. Uh, 11 boards for Brooke Lopez. Five blocks as well. Um, yeah, not too much. I mean, I would think, uh, maybe I have a differing opinion, Justin, but not much of a, a story or surprise here with the Bucks beating the Hornets at home. I don't think so. I do want to say, though, Chris Middleton is back. Yeah, right. he's on a minutes restriction because his knee was hurt, but he had 18 points in 20 minutes, and mm-hmm. I think he's he's kind of the the microwave guy that makes the the Bucks really threatening or you know or hurts them. So I think that he could be awesome. The rest of their team didn't shoot very good from three, um, but there's just a yeah, there's there's such a good team. It's going to be really hard for anybody to beat them in a real series. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, they're going to have, you know, Celtics and Sixers are going to be probably their main competitors. Nets, if you know, if and when they're able to get Durant back. Um, but, you know, I like the Bucks as, you know, their uh, possible, you know, contender this year. I like them last year. I thought they would be in the finals with um, the Warriors. Actually, was that my – did we talk like preseason predictions as far as what we thought would happen? I know that we started the podcast right at the beginning of the season, but I'm talking about before the season. Justin, did we have a conversation about predictions? I think our very first episode we talked, and I think we came to the consensus that the finals would be Warriors versus Bucks. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like we had that conversation, and I guess it was on the podcast. Um, so – Yes, of course, I like the Bucks. The Warriors certainly um, not being the expectations to this point in the season, but yeah, great Bucks team. It'll be exciting to see them in the playoffs. Uh, let's talk that final game: the uh, the Denver Nuggets hosting the New Orleans Pelicans. They win one twenty two to one thirteen. Uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both had nice games. Thirty two points for Jamal Murray. Twenty six points, eighteen boards, fifteen assists. For Nikola Jokic, he keeps doing wild stuff out there. Uh, the three other starters had double figures. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. The NBA website has glitched. I was reading the stats, and it's, oh, New Orleans Pelicans. Nikola Jokic had this many. It's like, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> mine, mine just crashed, so... Maybe the NBA website's going down. I don't know. I, I just reload it here. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I just reloaded it. Uh McCollum and Herb Jones combined for 42. They each had 21 points. Um, so they didn't have bad games, but the Nuggets are just a little bit better team right now. The Pelicans are still struggling. That was the Pelicans' ninth straight loss. So that's maybe a storyline for if we want to talk that should we talk about that real quick? What's going on with New Orleans? And of course. Injuries have been a concern. They just got Brandon Ingram back after he missed time. They're still waiting on the return of Zion Williamson. Uh, maybe what do you think the outlook of this team is if they're not able to get Zion back for another little while? Do you think this team will slip to the point where it will seriously hurt their playoff 
push or, you know, kind of what do you think of the Pelicans? That's a very good question. Um, looking at the plus minus from this last game, the Pelicans only had four players that had a positive plus minus over any of the players on the, on the Nuggets. Um, and I think, yeah, just it's, it's very hard for a team to lose a franchise player. Right. And especially with Zion, we always get a little bit worried because he's a big dude and he's had foot problems. And everybody knows that feet problems are the worst types of issues for big, big players. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they have a pretty good um, roster around him. But I think without their main key figurehead, I think it's awfully hard for a team like that to win. They don't really have any other big names that'll step up and win games. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think, yeah, you make a great point. They have McCollum starting at seemingly starting at point guard as well, which I, from an outside perspective and probably a naive perspective would somewhat question that I like McCollum, but I don't know if he can really lead a team as a point guard in that way. Um, You look at the Pelicans currently in the standings, they're 10th in the West. They fall into the very bottom of the play in picture. Uh, one and nine in their last 10 games, a nine game losing streak. Uh, the only team in the West that has matched that record over the last 10 games is the San Antonio Spurs, who are sitting at 14th. Um, definitely a tough stretch. And the Trailblazers are six and four in their last 10. They're not stellar, but you know they're staying steady and they have the chance now. They're only a half game behind the Pelicans to pass them for that spot. Um, I will say I like. Willie Green, the coach, I think he's been a great fit for New Orleans and he's really impressed a lot of people around the league as far as, um, you know, steadying that franchise and, you know, as especially as a young coach, what he's been able to do. But, um, you know, maybe now it's kind of that point where we see, okay, was that a a fluke season or is it going to be more sustainable for the Pelicans? I guess that's kind of what what I would say. Um, But regardless, Hopefully they can get that win soon. Justin, anything else you want to add with that game before we jump to our next segment? I don't think I'd like to add anything else. Um, Actually, I would like to ask you a question, though. Go for it. What is your opinion of Mr. Jamal Murray? Do you think that he's as good as he ought to be? Do you think he fills his role well? What do you think about him as a player. Well, I think he's a great player and I think it's a nice fit alongside Jokic, especially Jokic's game being that playmaking position and the pass pass first game. And Murray's a scorer, you know, he's kind of shades of Steph Curry in the sense that he's a scorer first point guard. Um, I'm not saying they're, you know, the same level of player because that would be disingenuous, but um yeah, Jamal Murray, I like him. And especially you think back a couple of years ago to the bubble. And I know that the bubble always people say, you know, it doesn't count. And I get that. But it was still playoff basketball. Every team was on the same level. And to think back what he was doing then, the Nuggets go to the conference final and he was playing out of his mind offensively. He was stellar. Yeah, the only I think thing he averaged like 40 points a game. He was right? phenomenal. He, he had two 50 pieces in the series against the Jazz, which is crazy. 
Yeah, well, he, I remember because him and Donovan were both going off. They had insane numbers that whole playoffs. And um, I think the only thing that prevented him from being, you know, that next guy up behind Curry, Lillard, Morant hadn't emerged at quite this point. This was just a year or two ago. Um, you know, Curry, Doncic, Lillard, and then you'd have Jamal Murray because I think he was kind of the next guy up. He gets injured. He misses a bunch of time. And he's still working his way back in, but he still had strong games this year. So I think he's a great, you know, second guy to Jokic. He has that potential to be one of the top guards in the West and has shown that at moments. And I think it's a great fit for them. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, that that's a very good answer. Very thoughtful. Thank you for that answer. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the key news uh, that again, that covers our games from the last night of action. Our key news. We don't have a ton of items here. Uh, firstly, this is an interesting one. So the game tonight, the wizards were supposed to be in Detroit playing the Pistons. That game has been postponed uh, because the Pistons are currently stuck in Dallas with uh, icing issues. I believe what that means is, you know, ice on probably the runways so their planes weren't able to take off, something to that effect. Um, so they are stuck in Dallas tonight. And consequently, the New Orleans Pelicans, who are supposed to play in Dallas tomorrow night, um, they are going to fly into Dallas tomorrow morning rather than today because of those icing issues. So uh, weather kind of throwing a wrench in the NBA schedule touch there for three different teams. So certainly something worth noting. Um Next, we forgot to mention, well, not forgot, I had it listed in key news, but certainly worth mentioning, going back to that Lakers-Knicks game, uh, in that game, LeBron, as part of his 10-plus uh, assist game, he passed both Mark Jackson and Steve Nash, who are, those two guys are one assist away from each other, I think that's pretty funny, um, but he moved past both those guys to move into number four all-time in career assists. The only guys that are ahead of him are uh, Chris Paul, Magic Johnson, and John Stockton, I believe, are the top three. Um, so pretty remarkable for LeBron to be able to do that. Again, I, that kind of goes with what we were talking about with LeBron's achievements as a scorer. To not only be a top 10, top five, top number one scorer of all time, but to be top five in assists, that's unbelievable and justin was saying he's the only forward in the top 10 in assists correct yeah he's the only forward in the top 10 players of all time in this assist sport yeah which I, is absolutely insane right he's probably accounted for more total points than any players ever he has yeah i did see i did see that actually it was i believe the nba's instagram they posted a thing that mentioned uh, you know, his total career points plus his total career assists, he has accounted for like 60-something thousand points, uh, which is the most by far in NBA history. So just, yeah, remarkable stuff. Um, one injury note, uh, but this is more positive type injury news. Uh, for the Suns, Devin Booker could possibly return within the week. Uh, the game that was mentioned was Tuesday against Brooklyn. Uh, and that's a report from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. 
finally, we have a transactional note for the Suns as well. They have waived guard Dwayne Washington Jr., who is on a two-way contract, and have replaced him by signing guard David Saban Lee, who had been on a 10-day contract, a couple 10-day contracts. They now sign him to a two-way contract. So he's got a more solid contract position. Dwayne Washington is now a free agent, which I'm kind of surprised by. Not that I dislike Saban Lee, but I felt like Dwayne Washington had some nice moments for Phoenix. That's kind of surprising to see him waived. I'm curious to see if he'll get picked up uh, quickly by another team. But um, yeah, Justin, any any comments on uh, any of those additional Suns-related items? Uh, in previous podcasts, I've talked expansively, I would say, on how I think the Suns are rotting from the inside out. Yeah. And I think this is one of the, I don't know, maybe one of the the medicines for the team perhaps would be to start bringing in some new flavors of players start bringing in some new guys to see if they could counteract maybe the the chemistry issues that are going on i don't know if there were any chemistry issues with uh, mr washington but i i think that it's not such a bad idea to bring in some new talent and this close to the all-star break in the trade deadline they're kind of assessing their options i think right now Right. Just shaking things up, even if a certain player isn't necessarily what's wrong with the team or a, a you know negative factor, maybe just a change can be a positive, even if the player themselves isn't an issue. I can understand that. That's a fair point. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as Dwayne Washington himself, I, as a jazz fan and a, a jazz team that's currently, you know, assessing all types of players, I'd be kind of intrigued to bring him to the jazz on it you know, 10 day or a two way contract, see what he can do there. Cause he showed some potential in, in, uh, in Phoenix. And so anyways, maybe just my thoughts, but otherwise let's go ahead and jump to our kind of main segment of our show. And this is going to be a little bit different. We normally in our Wednesday show have um, kind of league storylines, rumor mill playoff previews, some of those things that it kind of fluctuate as the season goes on. We have those penciled in usually for tonight's show. Um, we both talked before the show, and there's not a ton to talk about with the trade deadline. Even though it's only a week away, there really hasn't been much to talk about. I mean, if you go to ESPN and other such websites, there's conversation about, you know, the Suns looking for a Jay Crowder trade, the potential trade candidates as far as John Collins or uh, Fred Van Vliet is a name that gets mentioned, Mike Conley, some of those names we hear a lot, but there's really not much that's new from what we've heard kind of all year. Justin, before we jump to the segment that you had in mind that I'm excited about, is there anything that you've seen that would be adding to this trade conversation or not really? Do you kind of echo my thoughts on this? I, I concur with your thoughts on this subject. I I really think there hasn't been much drama the last little while, right? It doesn't seem like there have been a whole lot of teams that are wanting to shake things up. Maybe that's in hope that their their preseason strategies, either for tanking or for wins, are working into their favor. Or I don't know, right? I just I feel like generally there's a huge free agent or someone that demands a trade right around the middle of the season, and this is the 
I don't know, the time for those type of things to come out. And maybe that will change in the next few days, but it doesn't seem like it will. Yeah, it, it, teams are pretty content. I mean, this this past offseason was fairly wild as far as the Durant trade request, and we had some storylines. But this season, as far as like you're talking about players being upset, we haven't heard a ton about that. There was one wrinkle that really went under the radar, surprisingly, where there was some report that uh, James Harden is in, interested in rejoining the Rockets after this season. But that's, again, something that, like, after this next year, you know, at what next summer. So I don't really think there's been much trade deadline. We're both kind of seeing the same stuff. So we'll skip that conversation on tonight's episode. We'll certainly have a lot to talk about next week when we're actually, you know, uh, approaching trade deadline, ground zero, when all that stuff happens, if it happens. Uh, but for today, I've alluded to it a couple times. Justin has come up with a new segment that I think is going to be pretty interesting and something that will uh, work into the rotation here. Justin, I'll let you take it away. Explain to us what this segment is all about. Sure. This segment is something that I thought would really incorporate the crossover across time narrative into our podcast. And this is going to be a, a sort of conversation debate segment where we will compare a current team with a team from the past, one we think that um, would be a fun comparison. And we will debate as to what we think would happen if those teams played in a seven-game series. And so, for example, the teams that I chose that I think would be a fun conversation, at least for tonight, would be the current-day Milwaukee Bucks and the 1994 Houston Rockets. And I think this could be a fun comparison because specifically of Akeem Olajuwon and Giannis. I think they're both kind of unicorn players for their day. And so I'd like to kind of start this process and get this conversation rolling. Um, Karsten, who do you think would win in a seven-game series between the current Milwaukee Bucks and the 1993-4 Houston Rockets? Well, you know, first of all, I think this is a great – comparison especially those two players that you mentioned Giannis versus Hakeem uh you know you talk about dominant inside presences you think of you know Shaq or Patrick Ewing Hakeem Olajuwon of course in our day Giannis as far as scoring inside and that physical defensive presence and you know Shaq early in his career was mobile, but when he was most dominant, wasn't that mobile. We typically think of the dominant centers as not being ultra refined as far as their skills. It, when it comes to, you know, lateral movements, footwork in the paint, but Hakeem set the standard for artistry as a post player. And Giannis, although he's not quite that standard bearer he's very athletic very mobile i like that matchup they're two you know very close in size the length the mobility um both defensively stout um very unique players like you said as far as a playoff series that's where it gets interesting because now you're talking about the whole team and the, t the challenge with this and i think it's a a, a positive to the segment is it's tough to compare a team that's still 
being tested to a team that's already gone through its whole campaign. You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, the 94 Rockets, they won a championship, you know, so they would obviously win. But for all we know, this Bucks team will win the championship this season. So it's it's tough and it's very intriguing. I would say I like the matchup of Holiday versus Kenny Smith. Um, my question for you, and I was going to ask you this before we started, um, but figured I'd hold off so we actually talked about it on the podcast. So if you have Giannis guarding Hakeem, then that means Brooke Lopez is guarding Otis Thorpe. Is that probably how this will play out? I think so, right? If you're if you're gonna put the two best players against each other, um, yeah, then you've got to line up the others depending on position and size, right? So what we'd have to have is is a list of the starters, right? For the Rockets, you've got Hakeem, you've got Otis Thorpe, you've got Vernon Maxwell, you've got Big Shot Robert Ory, you've got Kenny Smith, and those guys are gonna be your your starters for your Rockets, mm-hmm. right? And they would have to play against Drew and Giannis and Chris Middleton if we're going to count him. And, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what's the Lopez. Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, one of the two. Brooke Lopez, yes. Brooke Lopez. And so I think, yeah, if you've got Lopez matched up against Otis Thorpe, right, I think based on their kind of similar styles of play, I would still take Otis – over him yeah right so i I think they they have an advantage at the four Mm -hmm. um but as a comparison of the guards vernon maxwell kenny smith robert ori i don't really know if they have much of an advantage over the guards from the milwaukee bucks right drew holiday is good um yeah what do you think about that how do you think the starters line up against each other well, Maxwell has a size advantage against Grayson Allen, although Allen's a little bit more athletic. Um, Drew Holiday against Kenny Smith, I think that's a closer matchup than people want to give Kenny Smith credit for. Kenny Smith is always getting dogged on, you know, NBA on TNT because he's, you know, talks like he's comparable or comparable to, you know, the Barclays of the world, the Akeems of the world, and clearly he's not. But at the same time, people want to discount him and say that he was a run-of-the-mill point guard. And I would say that's also untrue. He was a solid, above-average starting point guard. Um, I think he could have maybe been an all-star one or two years as, you know, an injury replacement. He was a nice – he was a great shooter from three. He was athletic as a point guard. And he, you know, played a nice team game. He fit that Rockets team. I mean, two-time champion. So he's a solid point guard. Holiday is still better, but it's a closer matchup than you might think. Um, Middleton, if you have healthy Middleton versus Robert Ori, I would say even though Ori has a couple inches on Middleton, it would still I would still give the advantage to Chris Middleton. I'd say he's a better overall player. And then the question of bench depth becomes interesting because you have, you know, Bobby Portis is the sixth man for the Bucks at that forward spot. And for the Rockets, it's Sam Cassell as a scoring shooting point guard. And so I, this is a tough one. I think you picked a really good one because 
these teams match up pretty well. They each have their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, you know, I love so Giannis. I, but, I, I just yeah. found an application on the internet um, called What If Sports. And apparently you can do these type of comparisons and it will run them through a simulation game, even giving you a play-by-play for the two teams. And so I just ran the the Rockets against the Bucks. Um, And in this case, this has the Bucks coming out on top 98-89. And the play-by-play is kind of fun. You can look through every quarter of play. Hakeem finishes the game with 23 points, 12 boards, Three assists, four blocks, two steals. Um, it looks like Giannis had an absolutely monster game. 20 points, 13 boards, four assists. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess this simulation thinks that Milwaukee takes game one. Hmm. <laughs> Do you have any bets for game two? Will I run the simulation again? Uh, the Rockets win. The Rockets got this one? It looks like. They lose game two. Looks like Bobby Portis has a monster game for Milwaukee. Hakeem Olajuwon doesn't play very well. He's only got 12 points this game. Oh, my. Bucks win 108-95. See, I got to disagree with that. And you know <laughs> me. I'm the, the you know, old-school basketball guy. Hakeem is not going to be held. I know that Giannis is a great defender, but 12 points? I mean, come on. I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe I'm biased. <laughs> Let's see. Well. We'll run game three then, eh? Okay. Looks like (laughs) maybe this will just be a three-game series because this is taking more time than we were expecting. And this one looks like the Bucks win again over the Rockets, 114-101. Hakeem Olajuwon has 21-13. Giannis has 29-12. So fairly comparable players, I guess, even in this simulation. Yeah, well, I mean, I I guess the – the thing is, because these are two different eras of basketball, and the rules are different. That's that's a factor. You know, the players being different is one thing, but you know, hand checks. Um, there was probably more offensive fouls called. Zone, zone defense. defense makes a huge difference. Yeah, you couldn't even play zone defense in the '90s and much of the 2000s, and so oh, yeah. you. It, it the question then is okay are the are these two teams playing in 1994 or are they playing in 2023 so that's kind of the wrinkle but otherwise yeah i think it's a pretty good exercise and pretty interesting apparently milwaukee comes out on top i'd vote for houston in this one probably uh just because i would vote hakeem over Giannis and say that hakeem could you know control the series but both are fantastic players both are pretty good teams so um yeah i agree with you i think houston would beat milwaukee in a seven game series probably take them to six games right so we're both disagreeing with the simulation (laughs) yeah we're both disagreeing (laughs) with the simulation all right fair enough take that ai yeah (laughs) um okay great that that was a great comparison justin um i guess i should give you mine uh, when Justin mentioned this segment to me, I was already, you know, oh, what what comparisons can we do? What ones would be interesting? Um, hopefully mine is as thought-provoking as his was. I have this season's Denver Nuggets, the 2023 Denver Nuggets, facing off against the 
1977 uh, Portland Trailblazers, who won the championship that year over the uh, Dr. J Philadelphia 76ers, his first year in the NBA. And um, these are two Western Conference teams, so I suppose this would be uh, a conference final. I mean, we can iron out the details later, but Justin, what are your thoughts on this series? Well, I think once again, we got to look at the matchups. Um, the 77 Trailblazers, I don't really know a whole lot about this team, but I do know some of the bigger names, right? Of course, Bill Walton at your center, he's going to be an absolute monster. Um, Maurice Lucas is a pretty good player. You've got a guy named Lionel Hollins, a guy named Bob Gross, and a guy named Herb Gilliam. Um, so I don't, I don't know any of them, but I think the comparison we mostly want to focus on is between Bill Walton and Nikola Jokic. Hmm. And Jokic has been an absolute monster, and Bill Walton was an absolute defensive beast, and if not for injuries, probably would be regarded as a lot better than I think we regard him now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll add real quick that the reason I kind of thought of this matchup um, and I discussed it with Justin before the show was that in before Jokic came onto the scene, if you were talking about greatest passing centers of all time, Bill Walton was one of the top names you would discuss. And um, Jokic has blown that out of the water. I mean, for center to be averaging nine, 10 assists a game is unreal. So the comparison is tough there, but Walton was still solid. But I'll, I'll let Justin uh, take things away again here. Sure. Um, I just – I really like the Nuggets lineup. Um, this year and last year, they've been very solid, but I just think they, they're they missing that second piece after Jokic. Right. I think they could be a fantastic team. They've been trying to fill that role with guys like Aaron Gordon. And if Jamal Murray could just play better, that's what they keep saying. Or, mm. you know, dudes like Will Barton used to be there to score. And I just think they need to find that that second piece to work with Jokic, and they could be so dangerous. So that goes with you asking me about Jamal Murray. So you're not sold on his play this up to this point this season? I'm, I'm not completely sold on him. Um, I think – He's kind of an injury liability, and I worry um, about how he can perform in the playoffs. Obviously, in the bubble, he was fantastic, and we talked about that earlier. But I just haven't seen enough of him to really know like, if he's as good as he ought to be or if he's um, somewhat overrated. Gotcha. No, I, that's fair. And again, he's, you know, yeah, it's still kind of up for debate because he's, you know, just recently returning from injury. So there's that kind of grace period, I suppose. But um, no, it's a fair point. And yeah, I like the Nuggets right now, too. They've got a very solid lineup. You mentioned Aaron Gordon. I think he's been a fantastic fit alongside Jokic. Um, him matching up with Maurice Lucas, you, you got to give the advantage to Maurice Lucas. I mean, he's a multi- multiple-time All-Star um, all defensive, all NBA. So, it, I mean, Aaron Gordon's not quite on that level, but he's a solid pro. I mean, he's he's a guy that I think would match up well against Maurice Lucas. Um, Walton defensively can hopefully, you know, stymie Jokic a little bit. So that's those two matched up. Um, I'm surprised you haven't – the name Lionel Hollins doesn't sound familiar to you. 
<laughs> it it really doesn't. Maybe it should, because um, it seems on his stat page that he seemed like a fairly solid player, but I, I honestly have no idea who he is. Right. Well, well, I'm not even – I'm talking post-playing career. Think, uh, think about what players do when they retire sometimes. <laughs> Let's see. They always go and coach. Right. Yeah, and they so, coach or they broadcast. Yeah, Lionel Hollins. You don't remember him coaching with the the Grizzlies and such? No, I honestly have no idea. It looks right. like they. <laughs> um, I looked it up and it says they fired him as the coach in 2014 because yeah. he wasn't winning. So, <laughs> so I guess there's that. He was a player way back in the 70s and he coached for a second and couldn't win. I guess. I think he was an okay-ish coach. Um, but, yeah, as a player, uh, one-time All-Star. Uh, he was all-rookie team the year before the championship, two-time all-defensive. Again, he's kind of in that Kenny Smith range, maybe just a touch uh, a touch better or a touch worse, depending on who you ask, of just like a very solid starting point guard, a professional point guard who will distribute. He's very good defensively and can, you know, add some points as well. Um, so I like him going up against Jamal Murray, especially as a defensive guard matching up against Murray. That could be nice. And then you have uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, I guess would be your small forward for the Nuggets right now. That's who they'd like to start. And he's matched up with um, Bob Gross, who, again, I'm with you on some of these names. I'm familiar with them because they were on this trailblazers team but could learn a lot more about him um he just seems like a solid you know glue guy piece as far as just you know a a productive player who doesn't really stand out a ton uh he was all defensive in 78 so again you have a solid defensive excuse me defensive forward matching up against porter who's a scoring guy um and i guess if i'm going to advocate my vote here i think Portland stands a good chance in the sense that they are a defensive team going against a more offensive team. And traditionally I like the, I lean more towards the defensive guys, even though when I play myself, it's like the stark opposite, but um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Justin? Um, I personally, I think the nuggets would win this one and it could be just because I don't know who three of the five players on (laughs) the trailblazers are, but I think Luke Walton would be an awesome, or not Luke Walton, Bill Walton would be an awesome matchup against um, the Joker. Mm. And, and I think Maurice Lucas is a super, super good pairing with Bill Walton in this case, right? You're going to have kind of your twin towers down low element where you got the big boys playing the paint. And um, I don't know if they could hang with the type of spread offense that is currently played, right? Like if, if Jokic was hanging out by the three where he spends like, a third of his time. I don't know if Bill Walton would necessarily be as effective as a perimeter defender. And so I think I would take the nuggets in this case. I think that's a fair point. I think that Walton would do better than you might expect, but probably still wouldn't be that great as far as defending on the perimeter. So that's a very good point that you bring up. And again, it kind of goes back to, are we playing in 2023 or 1977? Because if we're playing in 77, there's not even a three point line. So that yeah. changes, that changes the whole game. Um, but regardless, just trying to compare this 
as you know non-conditionally as we can um i think you raised some fair points the the point with lucas that we should also mention is he's he's an enforcer he's kind of like the the draymond green-esque but in an era where they actually had fist fights with each other and so maurice lucas if you have any kind of you know jawing from the nuggets at all if there's issues with Jokic or murray he's going to lay some guys out and maybe he gets suspended for it but that physical edge could maybe be a, a positive could be a negative too hard to say but, um I know dang well Michael Porter Jr. is getting punched in his face, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. He's, he's going to get rocked. But, <laughs> Should um, we run him through the simulator? I go for it. I will add while you're doing that for that first game that Walton's playoff stats are stellar for this series when they, the playoffs where they won the championship 18 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, and a steal. And those are some phenomenal numbers. Uh, I'm curious, Justin, what this simulator has come up with for us. This simulator, game one, has the Trailblazers beating the Nuggets 120 to 106. Um, The player of the game is Bill Walton with 16 points, 15 boards, four assists, one steal, and two blocks. So pretty close to his actual numbers. Yeah. Um, Looks like Jokic has 19, 7, and 7 which is very good, but just not quite good enough to take them in game one. So we're in a game two, shall we? Yeah. All right, game two. Looks like it goes to the Nuggets off of a game winner from Jokic. 115-114 they win. Um, Jokic is the player of the game with 27 points, 19 boards, seven assists, and two steals. And Bill Walton goes for 14, 10, 6, and 6 blocks. Wow. So, so I'm I'm curious, does this give you like the additional scores for this game, like the other Trailblazers? I'm curious how they would do scoring wise in the simulator. Yeah, they, they act. It gives you the entire box score and gives you when each point was scored. This is a super cool simulator, hmm. but it looks like in if this in this game, game two, um, Maurice Lucas has 21 points, 11 boards, two assists. Uh, Lionel Hollins has 12 points, um, two rebounds, three assists. Bob Gross has 13 points, four boards, six assists. Um, On the other side, Aaron Gordon has six points, eight boards. And it looks like Michael Porter Jr. has 12 points, three boards, zero assists. And it looks also like Jamal Murray did not play because he was injured. So that's huh. that's that's kind of funny that they he says he plays for two minutes and then gets hurt. So maybe oh, wow. maybe good old Maurice Lucas decked him and that was it for him. He he had enough. He's but um <laughs> yeah. So it looks like the simulation has this series being a little bit closer. It likes this matchup. Um, I guess I'll put my vote in for the the Trailblazers just as the the resident old head of the podcast. Justin, what is your vote? My final vote is for the Nuggets. Um, And in this game three, which in our case is the final game, looks like the Portland Trailblazers come out on top 104 to 96. Bill Walton (laughs) is the player of the game in this championship run. 
He's got 24 points, 21 rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. Jokic has 26 points, 12 boards, six assists, five blocks, and eight turnovers. So Jokic had a pretty good slash bad game, and Bill Walton played out of his mind. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The the Trailblazers come out on top with uh, some – objection i suppose from justin he thinks that the nuggets would win and i again i could see it going both ways like we talked about a little bit it kind of depends on when they're playing what era but it's a pretty good segment and i think yeah this has been a success we're gonna probably add this to our uh podcast schedule somehow we'll kind of work it in but um thank you justin for bringing this in i appreciate it yeah, that was a lot of fun. We'll continue to work on that and make a better product and continue to make it more and more entertaining for the listener. Absolutely. And shout out to What If Sports for being a, um, I don't know about a mediator, but a tool for us to use in this little thought exercise. We appreciate that. Um, let's jump to our last main segment for this show. Uh, of course, every Wednesday, Justin and I uh, focus on making a new weekly prediction. And this can, it's usually for the remainder of the season. And it can be about a specific player, a team, uh, just a conference. It can be a prediction of any kind. We're trying to be bold with these predictions, you know, kind of hot takes. Do we 100% think these things are going to happen? Maybe not, but it's like throw it out there, see if it comes through. It's something we think is fairly plausible, at least. Um, Justin, should I go ahead or should I let you go ahead? You go first and I'll prepare some kind of content for when I'm going next. Okay, sounds good. I'll go ahead and uh, share mine first. My prediction is the Golden State Warriors will make a surprise trade at the deadline. Um, I predict this just because we know that the Warriors have been uh, struggling to start this season. As soon as they string together a couple couple games, we think here it is, here they go, they're going to pull away, and then they you know lose a game or two, and then they're right back where you know they've been all season. Uh, if we look at the standings, I want to say they're like twenty seven and twenty six. Let me double check. Uh, twenty six and twenty five. So they're just barely above five hundred right now. Currently eighth in the West. Um, now I think if they if any team has kind of a desire to make a trade that will help them out, strengthen their team in the near future, I would think Warriors are probably higher up than you might think as far as, you know, Curry and Clay and Draymond, that core has been together a while. They're starting to get to that back half of their career area. They have Poole and Wiggins who are younger, especially Poole, but – you know, they need some bench help maybe. And so, you know, they've got some pieces that have been overachieving. Maybe they make a move with some of those guys, some draft capital, and they bring in some more immediate help. I'm not sure what that is, but it could be something. Um, so that's my prediction. I don't know what your thoughts are with this, Justin. but That's a pretty good take, and I could absolutely see that happen. They might try to stir things up, and maybe they'll flip Draymond or something. But I think – that's a very, very good take. Thank you. Appreciate not, it. Not a super hot take, but probably one that's realistic. Yeah. My take may be a little bit more like the Max Kellerman, you know, death ray pointed at earth. I'm taking 
who am I have taking the final shot? I'm going with Andre Iguodala. <laughs> I, I think mine may be a little bit more like that. But my take is that I do not think that Luka Doncic will win the MVP, um, yeah. even though he will be averaging probably the best stat line or the most impressive stat line of any player in the NBA. Um, I think the reason that is is because the Mavericks aren't that good and the other guys he's competing against all have good teams, right? So Jokic and Giannis and even Tatum, I think he will have a more impressive stat line than them, but I think one of those three will win. Um, and so I'm kind of counting him out. So the better the, the player on the best team type argument will take more precedence than the best stats. Yep, I, I think this is going to be a case where that's the concluding argument for why he doesn't win. Fair enough. And uh, I, I don't want to take steam away from your prediction. You mentioned mine being not an ultra hot take. I would say yours is fairly tame in general, but it's it's a good prediction. <laughs> um, again, I, I think it's solid. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like... Doncic would be my pick for MVP as far as what he's done this season. Well, he'd be one of my picks. Uh, but they're like you mentioned, Jokic, Giannis, Tatum. We didn't even talk Joel Embiid. So many great guys with great teams that um, that tends to supersede what Luca's doing. And so, yeah, great. I think that's a good one. Nice, nice work, Justin. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. No problem. Um, Okay, I guess that wraps things up. Again, we will have those posted along with all sorts of other content from our podcast on our Instagram page. If you're not haven't familiar, haven't heard it yet, you're not familiar. It's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram, no caps. Um, we of course post our content from our show, but we also do our best to you know like and share content from all across the NBA. It's kind of your one stop shop for you know, following the NBA and getting a bit of NBA history along with that. So um, definitely check it out. Otherwise, let's go and wrap things up with our This Day in History fact. And this one is very near and dear to my heart. Um, This Day in History, February 1st, we're going back to 1967. Uh, February 1st, 1967, the American Basketball Association, or ABA, was born. The league, which fielded 11 teams in its first season, lasted until the 1975-76 season, when it was forced to disband after facing financial difficulties. Four former ABA clubs joined the NBA in the summer of 1976, and these are the Denver Nuggets, the Indiana Pacers, the New York, now known as uh, Brooklyn Nets, and San Antonio Spurs. Fantastic. Fantastic piece of history i absolutely love the aba's history the league with the the striped ball plenty of uh all-time basketball greats played their best basketball in the aba like artis gilmore dan issel uh george gervin uh george mcginnis a lot dr. of great j. guys dr j he was you know at his best with the new york nets winning a championship there uh the pacers won championships in the ABA along with the Kentucky Colonels, um, the Utah Stars, you know, won a championship right here uh, back in the days of the Salt Palace. And so um, definitely had to shout that out. One of my favorite uh, nuggets of, of basketball history. And 
one of the fun things is how the league was always changing. Not fun for their long-term health, but fun in the sense of like every year it was a team with a new name or they were in a new location with a new name. Like one year they're the Houston Mavericks and then the next year they're the Carolina Cougars. And it's just like crazy changes all the time. But um, anyways, yeah. Justin, your any thoughts you have on the ABA? Oh, I'm grateful that we could have a podcast and celebrate this event. I think it's pretty cool. I think adding the ABA to the NBA has been the best basketball decision in the entire history of the league because it really made it a national game. And so I, I'm a big, big fan of the ABA and a big fan of the merge between the NBA and the ABA. I think it's pretty awesome what ended up happening because of it. For sure. And again, without the the ABA, we would have no spurs and we would be without one of the great, you know, sort of pseudo dynasties of the last 20 years. You know, they didn't win back to back, but they won five championships over 15 years. And, you know, we would not, we wouldn't, we have, wouldn't have a three point line. We wouldn't have a three point line if it weren't for the ABA. Um, we wouldn't have a dunk contest if it weren't for the ABA. And so a lot more to thank than, even just those four current organizations that have gone on to do great things in the NBA. There's like, we, yeah, three point line dunk contest. Um, and it brought a more exciting style of basketball to, uh, to the NBA and then to, you know, the, the nation and later the world, you know, kind of sped up the progression of basketball. So yeah, definitely a lot to note with the ABA, definitely a great, uh, one of the great ones we've had as far as our this day in history fact for the podcast. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Um, thanks again to everyone who's uh, listened to the podcast or supported the show. Um, our next episode will be our normal game summaries and key news. And then we'll dive into our franchise focus, uh, which this time we'll focus on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Justin, any closing comments before we finish things up? Thanks again for the opportunity to be here, Carson. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to see how the podcast has been growing. I invite everybody to follow us on social media. And, um, yeah, just really enjoyed the opportunity to be here. Well, I've enjoyed the opportunity to, to do the podcast with you, and it, it's always a pleasure. Um, again, we'll be back with you tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you then.